0: If your spider plant is looking peaky, and that Venus flytrap you bought just kicked the bucket, you need On the Ledge, the podcast about indoor gardening, where you learn everything you need to know to keep your house plants looking lush. I'm Jane Perone. Join me and a host of wonderful guests to chat all things house plants at On the Ledge podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the MTM podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, the founder of Miles to Memories, joined as always by MTM's managing editor, Mark Osterman, and our good friend Joe Chung from As The Joe Flies. What's up, gentlemen? How has your week been? Joe, you look like you're uh, parting, having fun out there. How's school? Yeah, it's exhausting. (laughs) My uh, body's not used to it yet, however,
2: I did buy one of those tour guide microphone thingies because I realized very quickly, you know, I teach in a very old building. There's a lot of random noises. We have to have the windows open because it's so hot. We don't have air conditioning or anything like that.
0: Come on, Massachusetts, take care of your schools.
1: <laughs> I mean, the building's like a hundred years old. so put a
0: what a uh, window unit in let's do it.
1: So you got one of those microphones. Did you get one of those flags too, those bright color flags to hold up so they can I want to get one. So I turned it on today. It was so much better. My first couple of days,
2: it felt like I was shouting the whole entire time. You know, at the beginning of the year, teachers' voices are never ready for it. And we're, my throat is always tired at the beginning of the year. But this year, even more so because I felt like I was shouting through my mask. So I have this microphone thing. I tell my students to fasten their seatbelts, put their tray tables up, and, you know, it's going great. So glad that I got that idea from my daughter's old teacher. She said she
1: couldn't live without it last year and uh she's definitely right. Now you're ready for field trips and everything too, so I think it's uh, it's good to go. Good to go. How's that how's That's funny. That's funny that you think field trips are allowed during COVID times. <laughs> I don't know. I just envision you with your is it, with your microphone, you know, is it leading wrong kids around.
0: The the thing I'm most happy about with schools and COVID is that I don't have to go to a field trip every other week with my kids. Is that is that make me bad?
2: I mean, I was saying I never want to go to a parent meeting ever again. Like at the beginning of the year, let's do these on Zoom for the rest of our lives. That's fine.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. Like, Save everybody's time. And of course, the teacher still has to do it, but I imagine it's so much easier for you guys. So maybe this will be the silver lining is that parent-teacher conferences will be via Zoom for the foreseeable future. I mean, the thing I really want that I
2: just don't think that the my school system is flexible enough to do is we should never have snow days i know people are like oh you want like oh you don't want to have snow days that's so terrible you know what's terrible teaching until june 30th like if we have <laughs> if, if, if we had a snow day and you know you just teach on zoom for half the day no one has to leave their house i'm not actually going to teach that much on zoom let's be real everyone's happy w- one other good thing that came out of it's the like a
0: it's like a night class in college where they always let you out an hour early because it's a exactly. 3 o'clock class.
2: <laughs> exactly. And then we don't have to get out of school on June 30th. It would be wonderful. And you, I'm not even exaggerating, by the way. Like That's the last day we can contractually work. Right now, our last day of school scheduled to be June 24th. There is no way we're getting out before June 30th. There's going to be definitely at least a couple snow days. So I think that
1: we should do that. I think you're forgetting the joy of being a child and getting a snow day, though. I mean, you're going to rob that you from think- them. Yeah, I am. Because you
2: know what is better than not having a snow day? Not being in school in June 30th, which, remember, no central air conditioning in the school. It, it is miserable at the end of June. And I'm not saying it should be a full day of Zoom class. Just have like a half day of Zoom class. The kids are not even going to have their cameras on anyway. They could just have their camera off and go out do- and play <laughs> in the snow no matter what they could just they could just log in from their phones and just be playing in the snow kids who want to have fun on the snow day are going to have fun on the snow day the very good thing actual positive thing out of that came out of the pandemic is Uh, at least in our district, but I think in most districts, every student, it's like one-to-one laptops for them. So every student has their own laptop, which I think does make a huge difference in terms of access to technology and stuff like that for my students. So all joking aside, that's a good thing. But, you know, or maybe just limit it to two snow days. We don't need that many snow days. Like one thing you don't understand, Sean, is that the city of Boston has tens of thousands of kids. So if there is six inches forecast, the whole entire city has to not go to school and so even if there ends up being two inches on the ground like we can't uncancel it so if there's like a real snow day like a real blizzard like let's have a real snow day but a lot of days i look out there's only a couple inches on the ground but because like the little kids can't get there which it's fine i understand like the buses are too slow and stuff like that uh it's shut down for everyone like the high school kids like they can get to school when it's like that but because it's a gigantic system with tens of thousands of kids and then we're in school till june 30th no one wants that
0: They could be like Cartman on South Park where he goes like, hey, oh, oh, no, Cartman, your your Internet's cutting out again. And then he puts up a picture in front of his camera and just like goes out and plays all day.
2: Exactly. Exactly. These kids, they can have plenty of fun. Okay, Jill, I, you promise you, I promise I love you. How if I they do this. I promise you, if they do this, so I'm not going to mark
1: anyone out. I love how I how the guy who lives in Las Vegas, who grew up in LA, never had a snow day in his life, triggered completely triggered you on that one. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> I was going to say, Joe, you should have taught at my high school. We had no snow days because uh, boarding school, so most of the kids lived in at school. So I mean, uh, people, what we called townies, wouldn't come if it was a bad snow day, but everybody else was like, "Hey, here we go, get get to school." Get going. Well, see, that's
2: the that's the thing about private school. If if I taught at a private school, give me all the snow days in the world because you never extend the school year when there are snow days. <laughs> True. Um. So you know, if
1: I if I taught at a private school, yeah, bring it on. Two weeks of snow days, no problem. So we we finally found the scenario where Joe likes snow days. I know everybody out there is worried about that. How's uh, everything been up in Michigan, Mark?
0: Good. We uh we had another good weekend of weather. So kind of felt like the end of summer. Hopefully we get one more good weekend where it's pretty hot. Like next weekend's supposed to be good, but I'll be in Vegas dying.
1: Dude, it's been brutal here. Like a hundred, eight hundred and ten this week. Like it's the middle of the summer. Like we had a couple weeks of nice weather, and it's just that's not fun. Yeah, it's gonna be in the nineties when you're here, so a little bit cooler. Yeah, come
0: to our MTM Vegas meetup where we're meeting up outside, but it's shaded, so it shouldn't be too bad.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's September in Vegas. We do have a MTM Vegas meetup though. If for people who are in and around Las Vegas, it's all of our uh, our Vegas related stuff hit us up. It's Saturday, the 18th, 2 to 4 p.m. at Three Sheets Craft Beer Bar in downtown Las Vegas. So quick little plug for that. Arts district. yeah. Arts district. Yes. So yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be fun. Not too hot. It's been all right here. But let's let's get into the show. Before we do that, guys, I want to tell everybody, make sure that they head to MTMPodcast.com because they can find links for everything. And we really appreciate it. we've been getting really great reviews on Apple Podcasts and stuff lately. We talked last week about Joe's amazing review, but there's been more uh, that have come in and we really appreciate when you guys do that for us. Uh, Subscribe to the show in any podcast app, head to mtmpodcast.com. You can find links to our Patreon community, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories, credit cards if you're applying, all of that good stuff. So uh, head there. Let's get into the show though. Let's start by talking about flight attendants because I've been ranting a lot lately about how flight attendants have been. On some of my flights, maybe abusing their power a little bit, but really at the end of the day, I mean, it's a really hard job to do, you know, and I, I always think at the end when I get mad at a flight attendant, like, I wouldn't want to do that myself, like have to deal with all the people. And Insider had an interesting article talking about all of the things that passengers do to flight attendants that they shouldn't, and uh, I thought it'd be interesting to go through it. The first thing, Joe, they talked about, and I always think about this, is that people ignore the flight attendants when they get on a plane. Isn't that, That's always a little awkward. You're walking on the plane. Do you guys chat up the flight attendants as you're doing that? I mean, I don't uh, think you should chat them up. Like, <laughs> I give them a people. I give them a to, nod. <laughs> but, but yes, I do
2: think it's polite to say hello. And I mean, the way it's phrased in the article, it sounds like people don't even acknowledge they exist. I mean, that's pretty rude. That's like a, you are beneath me type situation. So I mean, I say hello, but you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and uh, ask them about their life story
1: because there's a ton of people behind me
2: that are, are waiting. But there the are
1: room. those people that do that though. That they stop or when you get stopped there, they want to have that full conversation with the flight attendant.
0: I feel like the most chatty flight attendant's always the one standing in the exit row like watching people walk by and then talking to them as they walk by, but I've I've also read in the past that when they're walking in and they're like look, looking you up and down it kind of feels weird, but they're they're kind of checking to see if there's anybody that they think could help that looks, you know, fit and healthy that will be able to help if there's an emergency and stuff, so they're kind of sizing people up as well as people that might be a potential issue to get out of the aisle and to move and stuff like that. So they kind of are like giving you a once over, which does feel weird. So I wonder if that's why people don't look at them because it's this weird process that they're going through.
1: I think that you're right. There's that whole security aspect to it. And it's just a little bit awkward. And I think people are just overwhelmed getting on a plane, especially people who don't travel a lot. That's sort of that that moment where you're worried about, okay, I'm going to get my bag up. Where's my seat? All of that stuff as you step on the plane. and, And that probably... Uh, adds up the other thing i always think about especially when on southwest I, when you're just like oh where yeah which one which one's a good one i'm so stressed <laughs> it, it's really like that everybody's running around you know just trying to get their seat and then all the stress of who you're going to sit next to all that all that stuff the other thing that i i saw in here stop poking us to get your attention i've always thought about this you know whether it's the flight attendants going down the aisle and they they bump into everybody who's sort of spilling out into the aisle and I have seen people grab flight attendants quite often and touch them. And it's a very sort of physical job. I can imagine that that can't be very fun, especially now.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's quite a few that poke them on the butt and stuff like that and, and cross the line. I mean, you really shouldn't touch anybody just because you wouldn't want to get touched at your job. Like If you're a bartender, no, you don't want people reaching over the bar and touching you or a waitress. I know waitress get touched sometimes as well. I've even done it myself, like on the shoulder tapped, but... It's probably something that you, you get annoyed with after several hundred times a day of it happening.
2: That's why you need a tour guide microphone. I just want to point out that's how you <laughs> get Hand out flags to everybody. Yeah, hold up the
0: that's, big flag. No, if
2: ever if everyone has a flag, then no one has a flag, but you use your tour guide microphone. You use your tour guide microphone and get people's attention without violating their personal space. I'm all about that. You know, reading through this list, I think a lot of it is just and it's sad. I feel like that the flight attendants have to write this list because a lot of it is just common decency things that you should be doing to just be a good and nice person in general. Some of them are a little random, like don't ask for a blanket because we probably don't have any. I mean, I I get why that could be a pet peeve. If you've you're asked, especially on like a commuter flights, like of course they don't have blankets, but a lot of the stuff, like don't poke me, uh, watch your children say
0: hello. Don't take off your shoes. Like how is that a thing?
1: Well, I want, to, they, they, I want to talk about this because it is true that planes are gross, right? And people, you know, they I've seen people walk barefoot to the bathroom in a plane. That is something that I would never even consider doing. But if I'm on a long flight, I generally will put clean socks on before I get on the flight. And then, you know, I'm taking off my shoes. I mean, and then if I go to the bathroom, I put my you, shoes back on and, you know, when I'm walking what? around. But in my spot, I'm going to take off my shoes.
0: But you're probably in uh first class or business class with a, a live flat.
1: I was gonna say I was gonna say the shoes thing
2: and a couple of these other things, I feel like there's definitely a different culture between US based airlines and other airlines and especially if you're thinking about long haul flights. If you're in first class or business class, on some of these Asian airlines, they give you slippers, right? And so you're obviously expected to take your shoes off. You know, it's a cultural thing. Um, The other thing that I thought was a cultural thing was I never hit the call button on domestic flights, unless there's some kind of emergency. It's just something I don't use. Whereas, you know, we've talked about it before in Asia, it's much more expected. Like no one's going to ask you if you need help. You're expected to use the call button if
0: you need help, even if it's unless it's, Unless it's me, and then they just come up and talk to me forty-seven times in a in a well, six-hour flight.
2: I mean, because they're like, they're like, what's this guy's deal?
1: Why does he need soy sauce on well, his got right. soy
0: sauce while watching Rambo? What is this guy doing? Yeah, you, you yeah, see yeah. that I slick mean-
1: deal yesterday, Mark, for that four gallons of soy sauce yeah, for twenty bucks. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh,
2: so, so, I mean, you are a curiosity, which is why they came up to talk to you. But for most of us, okay, for most of us, uh, you know, on Asian flights, it's more normal to hit the call button. So it was interesting to think about that although like i said i don't like hitting the call button on domestic flights unless i think the only time i do it or i have done it is like my kids spilled like a ton of stuff and the seatbelt sign was on and i needed to get you know i needed to get some cocktail napkins to help
0: clean it up but other than that i (laughs) generally try not to use it (laughs) that reminds me of the one time my wife had a spill and she's like can i get some napkins she's like sure and she gave her one and then walked away like one individual napkin for a spill of the small cocktail napkins and we're like oh okay so what, what are we supposed to do here? Do you want to she take should, off our shoes and wipe them with our socks or what?
2: She
1: should have she asked for a blanket. <laughs> she should have asked for a blanket and used that. I got to love flight attendants. Yeah, there's some interesting things on this list. So uh, check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes. Things like playing music and videos at loud volume. I've actually seen that on planes a couple of times this year. Uh, blows my mind. So
0: even before the pandemic, I used to always I uh, wrote an article that I would wipe, wipe down everything, especially like the tray table and stuff, because they don't get cleaned in between flights and you read some of these stories of people taking off their shoes and then trimming their toenails on the tray or changing a baby's diaper right there on the tray and stuff. So just remember that those trays are pretty nasty. So you probably do want to wipe it down. Uh, And people do all kinds of disgusting, crazy things as well as they're just spilling food and drinks all over it. So uh, bring a little wet wipe or, you know, sometimes they hand them out these days now, which is nice. But that is one thing that y- you always hear the horror stories and some of the stuff people do with those trays is just out of this world. Yikes.
2: You know, the one that I was really feeling was the advice. Do not wake up your seatmate to get a snack or a drink. You know, they'll if if they wake up and they're hungry, then they can uh, ask for it later. I do not like being woke. If like if I'm asleep, you know, don't bother me if the, the uh, flight attendant is coming through with the well, not that you can even get drinks anymore, but you know what I'm saying.
1: Hey, some airlines have brought them back, so uh, you know it's not American. <laughs> well, well, they not bring alcohol, back not alcohol,
0: yeah. not alcohol. Yeah,
1: they do serve some sort of uh, liquid beverage somewhere in the cabinet. No
0: think. liquid courage, though. No liquid courage. Well, man. if you're in
1: first class, though, you get you get plenty. Yeah, because that's a Only totally yeah. Why, yeah, okay. People it in first sense. class know how to behave, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's so crazy, but it's fun to laugh at stuff like this. See some of the things that you do, like. You know, those behaviors that maybe you don't even know about that are ticking off flight attendants, you know, see some of the behaviors that tick your tick you off. And, uh, you know, it just adds to all of us hating each other as we travel, uh, which is the way the world seems to be these days. And I'm just kidding about that because everybody uh, loves each other on an airplane. Let's move on from this. And uh, again, I think this is a great read. So we'll put the link in the show notes. But we did need to talk about a little bit of COVID stuff here because, as everybody knows trying to plan travel right now is so difficult you know the goalposts move and they can move in the middle of a trip um you know i starting to do some planning for next year for the family and it's just difficult to even try to to put stuff down because it's changing this week we saw we saw the u.s get removed from the eu's safe travel list this week and now france has moved us from the green zone to the yellow zone or something like that basically unvaccinated americans can't go to france things changing pretty rapidly in the EU and it's just a good reminder that the world uh, continues to change and uh, it really uh you know it just feels like what was it a month month and a half ago we had like hope that things were just going to kind of open up and stay open and you know clearly just a reminder people yeah. got to use our uh, our guide that we have to that tells them where they can and can't go
0: do you think it's like green for most of america and then florida's red
1: and that makes us yellow <laughs> Now you just made everybody, hit. you made all the Florida men mad.
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. That was a cheap joke, but uh, it was, I, I still enjoyed it. So apologies to anybody from Florida just messing around, it, which includes my parents. They they live there as well.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I did, as I did mention, we do have a a guide on the website that we update. I think it was updated as of September 8th. So just a couple of days before we record this and we're continually updating it on where Americans can and can't go in uh, all the rules, but You know, I'm just, I'm planning like travel timeframes now, Joe, but I'm not planning any specific places. I'm good enough at last minute travel that uh, I'm going to put some dates on knowing that I I can travel, knowing I can go and that there should be some places in the world open. If not, at least the U.S. should be open and I can travel around the country, but I'm not picking destinations anymore because this is all moving too quickly and we're heading into that cold and flu season, which is probably going to make things worse. Yeah, I'm the same.
2: I, I just don't, I think I've said before, I I don't want to get my heart set on going somewhere and having the rules change and just having to cancel. I, I just cannot handle that right now. I'm hoping, like, who knows? This keeps dragging on, but I'm hoping that eventually, you know, there will be vaccine exemptions. So like, if you can show proof of vaccination, it'll be much easier to get into places and things like that. The scientists seem to be saying like this is the last wave and let's hope that's true. And hopefully when that has worked itself out, maybe next spring, hopefully definitely next summer, we can put a lot of this behind us. But we'll have to see. I'm just not going to plan to travel internationally right now until these things are more squared away. It's just it's just not worth it. And like you said, there's plenty of places in the U.S. to visit that, uh, you know, are amazing places to see.
0: Yeah, I know it's happened to Ryan, who's you know kind of on a four-month trip where he just is kind of making up as he goes along, which in the past was fun and interesting and unique. And you could kind of like pick and choose what you wanted to do, as well as he's trying to check off countries he hasn't been to yet to to see them all. But you know, in the middle of his trip, I think he's already had to adjust like two or three times because countries closed like the day or two before he was supposed to go there. So you never know what's going to happen. And that just adds to the stress of travel, which is already kind of stressful. And, you know, I've talked about how we're kind of rusty because we haven't been traveling as much, especially internationally. So you're rusty, you're not really top form. And then this is probably the hardest time to travel ever uh, with the rules constantly changing. So that's something to consider. You don't know what's going to be required when you get there that could change or what's going to be required to get home. That could change, you know, all these different things to, to consider. So It definitely, I think it has, you know, curtailed some people from going on trips, which this summer they're probably like, okay, by fall, you know, maybe next spring I'll plan a trip and, and they, they've backed off that or, or we always see in the Facebook group, a lot of cancellations here and there because places just aren't opening like they expected. So it is tough. I'm starting to plan a trip for Hawaii for early next summer to make up for the one we had to cancel a couple years ago. And we're going to take the kids this time. And that you don't even know because Hawaii has been one of the ones that you know changes their rules more than anywhere else in the U.S. So that's even kind of a slight risk, not as bad as international, but it's still something that I'm
1: going to book and then just kind of pray and hope that it works out. Yeah, I think the big takeaway here is just if you think that you know what the rules are somewhere, just keep checking up on this stuff. Even if you found out uh, France is open today, it may not be open tomorrow, and so it's just a reminder uh, to keep that open yeah Ryan's trip uh, we've watched him in real time have to to switch things just in the last week bel in within europe belgium bulgaria denmark germany italy netherlands spain sweden and france have all changed their entry requirements so that just shows you how fluid all of this is and we wanted to make sure we talked about that uh so we will we do have that that guide and we'll put a link in the uh, in the show notes for that so let's talk about fun stuff uh right before we recorded this I just banged my head against the computer for an hour trying to get coins from another U.S. Mint deal. And I think we've talked about the Mint on and off, uh, and we've even talked about some of these topics. But I think it's good just to kind of circle back around, not only to the Mint deal, but also some of the other deals that come around and how we can scale them up, how you can use social engineering, things like that. Uh, so to start, you know, Joe, are you, I know you guys have talked about this before, but if anybody hasn't listened, are you guys buying Mint coins? Do you guys have any Sort of recurring spending deals that uh, you're you're doing like this. I would love to do it, and I
2: do buy the mint coins sometimes. But I know you're going to talk about your experience. It is pretty frustrating, even if you know kind of all the hacks to maximize your chances of getting in. And the other reality is because they go on sale at noon Eastern, it's one of the worst times of the day. It's very difficult for me to be around a computer. And I will not go out of my way to be near a computer. However, when you do get through, it is fairly straightforward. Um, and I, I really kind of enjoy the simplicity of everything. But I haven't been able to do it very much this summer. I think I only got in on maybe one or two of the deals. And there must have been like six deals this summer. But uh, I just because of, you know, I was on vacation or uh, my computer wasn't working or sometimes I tried and it whatever tricks I used didn't take. It's a, it's a great to... Way to meet your spend and even make a little bit of money, but I just haven't been able to do it as much as I would like. Maybe now that things are settling down, I'm back at work and stuff like that. Although at work, my computer and the internet is terrible, so
0: um,
2: I'm probably man no keep AC,
0: failing. no internet. Jeez. Yeah, I am. Hey, <laughs> probably um, asbestos and uh, lead paint.
2: I mean, there's a reason, there's a reason why, there's a reason why like teachers have to go to donors choose to get stuff for their classrooms. So, you know, support public schools. What about you, Mark?
0: Yeah, I've never really gotten into them. I tried, was it last year or the year before they had that $85 coin that was going bananas for like $1,100 profit and stuff. So I tried that one, of course, and I gave it 30 minutes and people were still getting it in after that, but I called it quits. And I, you know, I just, I, I can't deal with the frustration in my life of sitting there hitting refresh, refresh, refresh. It feels like the old days of Ticketmaster where you had to call in to buy concert tickets and you hang up and call again, hang up, call again. And it's just not worth it to me. To be honest, most of the time, most years there's like two deals this year just happens to be crazy where there's, there's been six, seven, eight different deals. And the spend has been pretty, pretty large, like three, four grand sometimes. So I see why people are excited about them. And it was, you know, American express changed their terms to say that you won't earn uh, points on this type of spend, but they haven't really put it into practice. So I know a lot of people getting those uh, expand your membership offers on gold cards or upgrade to platinum cards, 15K spend, 10K spend. This has been a, a good way to knock that out quickly, uh, which I know Sean's done himself. So I can see why people are attracted to it. I just never never been drawn to it. And, and then to, to mail a $3,000 box to somebody I've never met and don't know and have no recourse for just isn't my, my cup of tea.
1: Well, I think that you have recourse. I mean, you have a contract with a, with a business that you're selling to. Um, but yeah, certainly uh, it yeah, takes yeah. that but contract
0: with the plastic version too. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> let's, I mean, I I've made, I've made, I don't know a lot of money this year off these coins, but I don't want to talk just about the coins. I want to talk about when you find a deal like this scaling up, there's all kinds of deals in the world that are per household, right? So you have a household limit, um, maybe sometimes you can find ways to get multiple accounts. But a lot of people in this hobby, especially the the people that we know, Mark, that are like super spenders or super MSers, they find ways to utilize their friends, to utilize social engineering. Um, I know people who, for instance, with the, with the Mint coin deals, they have friends who buy the coins and then they facilitate the sale and all that so they take care of all the hard stuff they split the profit with them have you guys ever done something like that where obviously not with the mint but with other stuff where you've utilized your friends addresses and and scaled up and how do you approach that if you've done that you know how do you kind of choose who you're going to approach with something crazy like this before we talk about that i wanted to first talk about finding
2: people that we trust One benefit of having a now defunct blog and doing these podcasts and knowing fine people like yourselves is that once you're in this community for a long time, you kind of get to know people and then people start vouching for each other. When I first started doing the mint stuff, I would go through a friend or go through a third party, but I would trust that third party. And it's kind of like more of the risk was falling on them. And it was someone that I would trust. And then once I've worked with the seller that they've worked with enough, just using the mint coins as an example, then at that point, you know, I'm comfortable enough I can send it. I I think the first time I ever did it, I didn't send it directly to the seller or the buyer, excuse me, I sent it to my buddy and then my buddy sent it along to the buyer. Um, you know, he packaged a bunch together. Now I don't worry about that. You know, once I've been doing it long enough, I mean, there are still ways to get burned, see the plastic merchant. But in general, it is in the end user's best eg- interests for these things to keep working. Like the people who are buying the mint coins, it's in their best interests for it to keep working. They're not going to run off with our money uh, unless <laughs> unless they're setting up a long con over years for like one big score. And that's why the plastic merchant was kind of so shocking. And really, you know, I I think the rumors were they got into debt with like other things. And that's why they lost the money. You kind of can never know whether people are like that. But at least if you're going into it with other people that you trust, Sean, you and I would use the same seller for the mint coin. So at the very least, in the worst case scenario where we lose our money, we are commiserating together. That kind of builds a sense of safety. But ultimately, like I know we talk about this on uh, our work slack all the time, right? There are deals that Benji will not do, and there are deals that I will not do, no matter what, regardless of how well people trust each other. And that's just how it is sometimes. You kind of got to find your comfort level with you know who you know, who you trust, and go from that. What about you, Mark?
0: Yeah, I'd say start small for sure. You know, if you get into these buyers groups, you know, start with something smaller. Do one iPad instead of eight, and just get a feel for the process and, and what works for you and kind of build up uh trust with them. Last year was a big year for reselling Best Buy gift cards. So I did a lot of those hundred, 200,000, something like that and spend. And I did it with somebody that I trusted. I'd met at, a, at one of our meetups plus had dealt with in the past, like messaging and stuff, but I did have that personal connection, met them kind of knew their background and stuff. So I felt more comfortable, started off on the, the slower end and then kind of ramped up as things went along. So that's just kind of the way I've worked. I've, you know, I've also sold, sold gift cards to other people in the past that I never met, but kind of knew them from messaging and stuff. And then uh, it, it just grew. Like in the beginning, it was I'd do five hundred thousand dollars, and then it would go up a little bit more. I try to still keep it in chunks of what I can afford to lose because you never know what's going to happen. Like I don't want to bankrupt my household because uh, you know I put eighty grand out there in gift cards and then didn't get it back because the place goes under. So. That's one thing I would say. Don't don't go in too deep that you can't afford to get back out because the points just aren't worth it. And people have done that with you know selling their credit score or not their credit score, but like opening up their credit line to businesses. So businesses that can get a loan they couldn't get a loan, be, you know, for a reason. It, they're riskier. They don't have the cash flow or whatever. And this went on for a couple of years. They made good points. Always got paid back until that one time they didn't. And that one time's a twenty k hit. Did you make 20K worth of points to make that worthwhile? Probably probably not, but you know that's the risk that you're taking. So kind of do that. Don't do anything you can't afford to have go wrong, I would say.
1: Yeah, I'd say there, but now let's talk about scaling up. So let's say you guys, you got, you figured out you're comfortable, you've been doing something for a while, you're working to scale something up. A lot of people in this hobby, and I think this is really the secret weapon, is that they are utilizing their people, their friends, their neighbors, people outside of this hobby, to, to scale things up. For instance, with the mint coins, you know, there's a limit of one per household. So if you could find friends who would let you use their address, uh, then potentially you could, you know, get more stuff. Um, and so I make sure they don't open it. Well, yeah, that's the difficult, that's (laughs) something I've had so many issues with my father with, uh, I will just personally say it's a really difficult thing. Um, I think that now I'm going to switch over, uh, with my dad's stuff to having signature required because, I've just learned that things coming without the signature, he's just going to open them. But if the signature is required, he'll think he's about like it. He's
0: like a kid at Christmas. He, <laughs> he just wants to see what's inside. <laughs> he,
1: he really is. But, you know, I, I mean, do you guys, have you approached any non-Miles and Points friends doing this stuff? I mean, how do you avoid sort of the, you know, it's an awkward, I guess, discussion saying, okay, well, I kind of buy and sell this. You know, do you offer to let them use their credit cards to earn their points? You know, how do you decide, I guess, This has always been something difficult for me where do i decide the profit you know how much am i going to keep how much am i going to give them um you know what is it worth to me for all the hassle of adding that other address because now i got to keep up with the coins the deliveries all of that other stuff um you know this is the way the big heavy hitters scale up though
2: i did this once and i hated it i hated it so much It, it is a lot of pressure and when i did this it was for like a 20 or i don't remember how much the coin was but we were talking like thousands of dollars at a time for the payouts for like the checks that I was writing to my friends and stuff or Venmo or whatever I use. And it just felt like too much pressure like that. I did not want to deal with. It was enticing to scale up. And I think I split the profits 50 50 with everyone. And it was, it was a big profit coin, but that being said, you know, nowadays I have friends who are interested in doing it. And unless I can get them a better deal through like a private friend that I know, Um, and I will do it for them as a favor, but unless I can get a better deal through a private friend, you know, I'll just send them to, there's plenty of places where you can, they're publicly asking for this and I'll I'll just send them there because I I just can't deal with that kind of stress anymore. Sean should
0: use my address for Bitcoin. There you go. Since I'm never going to do
1: it. Then I got (laughs) to deal with the hassle of dealing with you and getting you to, no, it's okay. Mark, Mark, you would,
2: you would definitely open it. Mark, let's be honest. Someone in your household would open it and everyone yeah. would be up the creek.
0: It could be because I get boxes from Amazon and I don't remember what they were uh, when I ordered them. So that could definitely happen. You know, I've done this uh, occasionally with the authorized user bonuses. Like I have a friend, he gave me a social security number. So I just add him. He doesn't, he doesn't have any credit. So it actually has helped him that, you know, it's helped his credit score that he has a, a very healthy credit score, even though he's never really had a credit card or anything or a car loan, or he's a, he's a unicorn out there, but so it's helped him. And then when we go on trips, like we, we, if we stay in the same hotel room, I just take care of the hotel room. Cause I'm going to book one anyway. So that's one way we've done it. And uh, you know, I've hit those bonuses with his, and that doesn't add if I added my wife, it would add to her 524. and you know, American express now wants uh, a social security number. So you can't just easily add them and not worry about it type of thing. So, I've done it that way. My parents, you know, I use their stuff uh, when it makes sense, like the Amazon pay with points promos. I have the log into their Amazon accounts and I just go in there and I add my card. And if they're uh, set up for it, I'll I'll use it. But I've never gone really bigger than like close friends or family. It just it never seemed worth it to me. There was never a deal that I really wanted to expand that much. I guess maybe that's my fault. Plus, I'm I'm just a lazy person overall and I don't want to add extra issues to my day or or extra stresses i got enough to worry about so that's kind of where i'm at you know these people that do this full time i understand why they want to do it resellers or msers that make their living off of this you know go for it but for somebody that has a whole bunch of other stuff going on it just isn't worth it to me yeah just not enough of a hustler over here
1: yeah you do have yeah. to hustle i mean so just a couple of things for people who are interested in doing this or thinking about doing this one consideration is credit cards. Are you doing this to ramp up your own spend? Is there a way that you can figure out, you know, that you do all the work, you spend the time getting the mint coin or doing the deal, and you're just purely using that other person's address, and maybe you're giving them a little bit something for that. Um, so there's a lot to figure out. One thing to, to know is that most websites, they use the zip code of the credit card, not the actual address. So it's always been interesting to me, like, I've been tempted to try to use my neighbors who live near near me. Uh for a couple of reasons if you're shipping things there, uh you can get them very easily, uh, but also your credit card if you're in the same zip code could potentially work as well. Uh although that's not something I've done with my neighbors uh personally, um and it's not even something I've done with my dad. I use a- Does
0: anybody know their neighbors that well though? Come on.
1: I mean, I think there there are people out there who do. 2021, <laughs> not
2: me. no one talks to their neighbors <laughs> yeah. anymore.
1: Well, that's even more reason. It's just a you know, just a drop off there. But like in hey my neighbor,
0: nice to meet you. Let me send you a three thousand dollar coin, okay? Yeah. Just to it. But in my case, yeah, my hey, dad, my dad hey neighbor,
1: this isn't awkward at all. My dad lives in the same zip code as me, so I could technically use my own cards. Um, although uh, I use a card uh, that I'm an authorized user for uh, that's in his name, so. Uh, I don't have to do that, but that's just a good example of finding what the rules are, finding what your angles are, finding the people who are comfortable with it, and then determining what your split is. You know, don't be greedy, but also make sure that you're factoring in that there's enough profit, I guess, for both them to have to deal with the hassle and for you. And just because you think it's not a hassle to somebody, having packages arrive at their house, having all these rules about not opening, all that, it's it adds stress to people's lives as much as you think it doesn't or it's simple. Uh, as I know with my dad, every time he goes to open one of those stupid mint coin things, uh, it adds stress to both of our lives. So keep that in mind. But if you want to be a heavy hitter, Mark, that's the way to do it. Scale up, use social engineering, find people to do it, form your own buyer's club, uh, and you can do it at whatever level you want. And uh, if
0: not- Hey, who's saying I'm not a heavy hitter? Come on.
1: Yeah.
2: It's like <laughs> Mark always says, and I'm down with Mark this time, is the juice worth the squeeze in terms of scaling up for these kinds of things? Not for me. Not for me.
1: I mean, I I agree with you. And Mark made a good point earlier. The mint deals have not been as good in the past. And this year is sort of an anomaly. But do I wish I had 20 mint accounts for some of these deals? Yeah, because I would have made a lot of money. So, you know, it kind of goes both ways. You never know, you know, you got to have the system set up, I guess, for when the deals come, if that's your thing. And, uh, if it's not, then that's okay too. And I think that, uh,
0: Meyer M perks is the only thing worth scaling
1: Sean. <laughs> 10% off, uh, <laughs> gift cards. I just missed it. I, every, year I say, I'm going to come out there and do it maybe next year. Uh, got to plan better ahead. All right. And let's uh, head on into rapid fire. Mark, uh, start us off.
0: Yeah. So I did a post on Monday, uh, saying, if you have ever given a given a presentation about miles points, travel finance, um, or if you have a, you know, some knowledge that you want to drop on some people, something niche, something unique, uh, you know, we want to offer you that platform. Uh, we're looking for people to present to our diamond group. You'll get paid for this. Uh, you know, we're looking for like 45 to 60 minute presentations with the PowerPoint, the whole shebang. We'll also release it on podcasts. You'll get uh, in front of a group of people that are very in tune with things. So it'll be kind of fun for you as well as to share your knowledge and and kind of you know, spread yourself out there. If you're on, if you have a blog or a podcast or whatever, you get to get in front of more people. Uh, so we're looking for that. I think it'll be a cool partnership that we want to do. We want to bring more value to the diamond group as well as help out any people that want to make some money uh, doing this type of thing. And the cool thing is, you know, normally you travel to seminars, you have to book your own air for, Maybe they help you out with that. Uh, or maybe they just give you a free hotel room. You usually don't get paid this time. You don't have to go anywhere. You can do it from home and you're gonna get paid. So it's the best of both worlds. Freshen up your skills if if you haven't done one in uh, live or if you have new material you're working on, this is a good way to practice it, all that type of thing. So make money for your knowledge. See, you Zoom's
2: Zoom so great, okay? No more parent <laughs> meetings. Get paid for your presentations. Love the future, love the future. Future me, oh wait, <laughs> that was in the t- outtake, so no one's gonna get that joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Look oh. at it after. Make, yeah. sure
2: you listen yeah. to the yeah, make sure you listen to the outtakes then you don't get the joke. My Rapid Fire is Ryan S wrote an article on what he'd do with 100k Aeroplan miles thinking about, you know, you can get this souped up Chase Sapphire Preferred bonus and then transfer them to Chase's new transfer partner Aeroplan and what possibilities are there to do with 100,000 Aeroplan miles. I love these kinds of articles. It just kind of opens your mind to the different possibilities that you have out there. So we talked about economy flights, business class flights, first class flights. So definitely check that out if you want to get some ideas for what you can possibly do with Aeroplan. And useful for me, because like I always say, I still have yet to use a single Aeroplan mile. Um, But one of these days, one of these days. How about you, Sean?
1: Well, mine is uh, something I'm a little jealous of. I apparently uh, five years ago I wrote an article about this milk class action lawsuit, and I never went and applied for it because I didn't get notice, But Mark got noticed that he's, he's been out
0: on your seven dollars. That he's
1: getting a seven dollar <laughs> and fifty one cent check from this milk class action lawsuit. They were price fixing milk, apparently. Uh, just another reminder, you know, to do these class actions. Uh, more importantly, like who, somebody said, they got was it uh, Ryan Flanagan got over five hundred dollars from one of these recently. Yeah. Yep, you drank, you drank a lot of milk no, it wasn't milk. It was no, just kidding. One. I know I know it's a different one. I know it's a different I one. know
0: and there was a roundup one a couple of years ago that people got like two three hundred dollars for so th- some of them are most of them are like four or five bucks. Some of them are big. i have I have uh, coupons for hot tamales and Mike and Ikes. I got four free ones from a settlement. So <laughs> it's all kind of random stuff. Sometimes it's a free movie rental. You never know, but it takes thirty seconds you might as well do them.
1: Well, I like think it, nice. I think uh, this one was from before you worked for the site, Mark. So I just want to say you're welcome. That's how you know he was yeah, a just want to you say you're knew welcome. I was a fan. Yeah, see, I made you, you seven dollars and fifty one cents for uh, for reading. Yeah, take it out of my check this week.
2: That's why. That's why, <laughs> why offline, Mark
1: always tells me that this is his dream job. You know, he's been following Miles and <laughs> Memories for so long, which is Since true before it existed. It is true. No. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week, Joe. Where can people find you when they're not listening? To this fine podcast you can find me at as joe flies all of our social media and
2: connect to all my stuff there what about you mark
0: you can find me on twitter at detroit mark you can email me mark at miles to memories uh join our facebook groups our patreon group our diamond group hopefully we have some cool presentations coming up as well as the other weekly shows we put on
1: uh, we're changing some things up in the next uh, week or two so should be good how about you sean yeah i'm excited about the patreon stuff uh we have not only the presentations uh continually having the new shows. The Slack is on fire. Our new Slack uh part of that community is as well and of course the Facebook. So we really love the community trying to make it better. The Facebook. Yes. Like the like Facebook. in the beginning when it was called the Facebook. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, when you have to used to have a do a status. As, remember you have to have Justin, your name is. Do you remember the early days of Facebook? It would be Sean Coomer is, and then you would type in your status. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, the Facebook. And then uh that's what Justin
0: Timberlake said. Drop the, the the just Facebook. It's cleaner.
1: Genius. Justin Timberlake <laughs> is uh, the man of our time. I'll tell you, what would we do without without him?
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: And My- Good movie, though. Social Network. Good movie. For sure. And just check out milestomemories.com for all of our podcasts, videos, posts, everything related to the site. Don't forget to subscribe to this in the whatever podcast app you're listening to it in. And we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Bye.
2: My bad, my bad. I got an email from my parents' kid. I mean, kids.
0: You got Thank an you. email from yourself? <laughs> <laughs> it's for, there, actually, there's an outtake it, right there. There's an outtake right there.
2: It was from the future, guys. It was really <laughs> important. Okay. Oh, boy. It was from the future warning me not to do this podcast. Future man. Did today. you just
0: beat the uh, level of a uh, video game and then the future came to recruit you? Indeed, indeed. <laughs> All right. Go ahead and throw it to me. Which is it
1: was? You should have just said bye, Mark, and that was a perfect ending, but now you messed it up. She just said bye, bye, bye.
0: Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Add it in. No, no, no. Okay.
2: But no, no. End broadcast. End broadcast. No, be
0: so great if